Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 74 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm your sticky pal, Andy Stewart. How are you, my friend? I'm not too bad, thank you. (laughs) Not bad at all, thanks. Is it fair to say that it's been a week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm feeling a little bit more rested today. Good, good, um, good. Date stamp purposes, recording on a Saturday afternoon. Circa three o'clock, yes, yeah, that's correct. Um, I've had a little bit of sleep. Good, pleased <laughs> to hear it. Um, just want to say a massive thanks, by the way, uh, to yourself for stepping into the breach and finishing the edit yesterday so that I could get to sleep and that we could actually get an episode out. I, mean, I, I would say we maintained our, our streak. Yeah, we got it out on the day. Yeah, we got yeah. it out on release day. Yeah, we'll we'll um we'll get to that later because a lot of people were very very nice about that. But yeah. this week, amidst other things, what have you been watching? Well, I jumped onto Netflix and I checked out Vincenzo Natale's In the Tall Grass. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, I am kind of hoping to make time for this yeah. pretty soon. So Vincenzo Natale, the director of both Cube and Splice, Cube and Splice. Yes, well done. Yeah. Cube and Splice, Splice <laughs> and Cube. Okay, so yeah, we looked at this when we were looking at the upcoming streaming platform stuff a couple of weeks ago. How did you find this? And also, just generally, what's it about? Because the idea seems a little bit off the wall. It's about a brother and sister duo who are traveling across the country. She is pregnant, um, and. While they're traveling along, they uh, stop and they hear a boy's voice coming from this massive field of grass. Very tall grass. Uh, absolutely rife with ticks, no doubt. The titular tall grass. The titular tall grass. Yeah, the tall grass plays a very strong character in here. Like, the character in itself. Well, I'm telling you, man, just about every possible way it's, uh, that you can find to have grass waving menacingly is in here. <laughs> 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 Honestly, like the grass, uh, while not having dialogue necessarily, it certainly has character. Okay. But yeah, they hear this uh, this little boy's voice coming from inside the, the grass asking for help. Okay. And the two of them bumble their way into the tall grass and immediately get kind of separated and lost from one another. Um, but then after that, it starts getting a little bit weirder because there's uh, time loops involved and uh, overlapping and crossing paths with people who are already dead. Oh my god! Uh, crossing paths with them again. Um, it's uh, it's a wild old time, and to be honest, I had a really good time for the most part. Right. Okay. Uh, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really well for the for the most part, really well done. Uh, but I, I felt it got a little bit rudderless. Right. Okay. So it's kind of kind of like that that kind of off map third act kind of thing. Yeah. 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 You see that so it often, gets a don't bit, you? Uh, cat and mousey with the arrival of uh, Patrick Wilson. Well, this jars with everything I've ever stood for because I'm very much of the opinion that no film has ever been worsened by the addition of Patrick Wilson. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, again, I don't think he's doing it. Although, I will say he's got a weird moustache here. Okay. Uh, he, uh, right away, I was like, oh, don't like that moustache. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're certainly a talented actor, sir, but I don't care for that thing on your face. 
But yeah, he plays the uh, father of the little boy who's lost in there. There's also a wife lost in there. And uh, the main protagonist girl's boyfriend is also lost in there. Okay. And there's various ways that they intersect and overlap. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's really, um, I had a good time with it. But okay. I did feel that, it, I don't know, I feel like it could have just done with a more strong guiding hand a little bit. Okay. Like, I kind of feel the same way about Splice, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. You got anything else in particular you want to touch on? I do want to just quickly fly by something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've mentioned it in the show before. Uh, you had speculated that when the time came for me to see it, that perhaps I wouldn't enjoy it. Right, okay. I saw it chapter two. Right, okay. So, catch me up on this again. So, on It Chapter One, now, as you know, I'm a big fan of It Chapter One. Mm-hmm. I like It and Chapter One. And you like it, and I'm not a fan of It Chapter Two particularly, but I felt like you would like it even less than me. Again, a big part of my problem with it is its over-reliance on CGI. Yeah, I think that in It Chapter One, there was this kind of, this level of CGI where I looked at it and i was like i understand why this is here and i understand this is the film they've made and i understand if he if it's uh andy machete that's directing it i understand that that's kind of his style and i True. could kind of make concessions with it in it chapter two i felt like it was crammed into every corner yeah and, and to the point where i actually think that some of the characters they've created look like cartoons yeah i hear what you're saying 100 percent. Um, and I, I guess yeah, there has to be that level of well this is a film about an intergalactic killer clown um, but by the same token like it's not a cartoon no and, and i feel like if you're going to try to be so hyper realistic throughout the rest of it even though the, the story might not lend itself to that then I feel like you need to kind of continue that through into the the digital characters that you're creating because some of the things... I would even go so far as to say Pennywise's final form, but certainly the um, the old lady character. Yep. Her face looks crazy. Uh, the most annoyingly cartoonish thing in the whole thing, I think, potentially, there. Yeah, well, I mean, there's quite a lot. Actually. Yeah, no, I, I I mean, I totally agree. And I think that, like, I know what you mean about the fact that, you know, like some people might say that it's a story about an intergalactic child-killing clown. Fair enough. But the reality this is set in is still the real world. Yes. And I think that, like, and when that thing arrives here, the rest of it has to still look like the real world. Yeah, I, I mean, bed knobs and broomsticks is more believable, and uh, and the, the way they juxtapose kind of real life characters and cartoon characters. Yeah, no, I, like I I think that, that there's way too much of this, and um, when I went to see it, I went to see it with my friend Mikey, and he pointed out this, and he said it in this way. It was like a lot of the points in this that are supposed to be scary play out, and they feel like an Evil Dead Two thing. Yeah, like like there's some like everything about it is so preposterous that it pulls a rug out from under you in terms of suspense and things. I, I'm absolutely inclined to agree with that, and one other thing I will agree on, Mitch, is that. It is terribly bloated. Absolutely, yeah. yeah and, and you were right; it feels its length. It really, really does. I think it. Yeah, it does. It does start to sag. I was on board with it pretty early, if I'm honest with you. Um, and then, yeah, I, I just started to lose interest pretty quickly. The more and more CGI was getting thrown at me. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't for me. It's one of those things. It's like a record-breaking, massive box office blockbuster horror smash thing. I really enjoyed being able to get on the train with chapter one. Sure. Like, I, like I think I think that when something of this scale comes out and people really earnestly love it, I think it's really nice to be a part of that. I really don't like being on an island with it chapter two. <laughs> so I'm kind of thankful that you're on that island with me, to be uh, honest. I'm, I'm on the island with you. Uh, and, and to be honest, we're not really on an island, just the two of us. I've seen a lot of dissenting voices saying that pretty much the same things that we've just said. Uh, my attention waned way, way, way before the end. You've got some really good performances going on in here, I think. We do, and I agree. Uh, I think uh, James Ransone's brilliant. I think James Ransone's the story of the piece here for me. I think he's great. I, but, but I get the, I get the kind of uh, effusiveness about Bill Hader. I think he's really good as well. Yeah, no problem with him. Um, but I, again, I think James Ransone 
Jones where the where it's at here in, yep. in terms of performance. And uh, he he actually had me more in stitches than the guy who's supposed to be the comedian. Yeah, I would agree, and I think also like um. But on the other side of that coin, I think that uh, Jessica Chastain is doing almost nothing here. I would have still preferred Amy Adams in that role. I feel like um, Sophia Lillis is so good as young Beverly Marsh in this and brings so much to it. And I feel like so much of that is neutered by what Jessica Chastain does in the second one. I, I mean, I I thought a lot of the, the adult characters that we had left were pretty boring. Yeah, I mean, like I think I said it at the time. I, was like, I think that there's now two adaptations of this that don't survive the jump. Time-wise? Yeah, sure. Um, I kind of I kind of wish that this adaptation had been a self-contained one chapter. Uh, so I could have just remembered it as being a great adaptation rather than having to always stick on this postscript about how disappointing I find chapter two to be. <laughs> is that is that your lot for this week? Pretty much. The, oh, I mean, uh, I know you've been good. watching loads of stuff, but you've been casting your net far and wide in kind of non-genre, so... Yeah, yeah, I've been watching all sorts of stuff this yep. week. I'll just fly through a couple of other things. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, I checked out Arrow Video's release of The Prey. It's brilliant. Nice. Get your hands on it. And I got my hands on Suspiria. The, uh, like a Guadagnino Suspiria. Ah, I was going to say, a home release in the UK through Mubi. It came out on Monday, didn't it? It did, die. Uh, uh, a bit of a weird package, if I'm honest with you. But okay, in what way? I don't know. Just, uh, I would have liked a little bit more. Okay. It, it just feels a little underwhelming. But well, I, mean, I mean, like it took so long for any kind of plan to seem to form for home release and then it seemed to happen very hastily. Does it feel like an afterthought? A little bit. That's yeah. a shame. I mean, that's it, fine. As for the film, I actually start to find myself liking it a little bit more every time because I was a little bit colder on the, the, the first... Uh, not even cold. I think I was just confused by it the first mm-hmm. time. I was like, why do we, why do we need this? Um, but I found myself warming up to it as its own kind of piece. I very much enjoy it as an on opposites day adaptation of the original. Well, actually, last night I watched them both. Oh, really? How did that yeah. go? Dario Gentles is still far superior. I, uh, I, I think that despite the fact it's the same story, they're very difficult to compare. Uh, yeah, yeah, they are so so different. But I mean, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of both, and I'm glad both exist. Certainly. I have a couple things this week. So, <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain into general Mitch life. I currently live with a married couple, one of which is a big horror fan, the other one not so much. So, the other night, I was tasked with picking a film for us all to watch. Right. Um, so, I thought a little bit, ideally something from Netflix. So, uh, it was something that I'd seen, I think I've seen it twice total, and I guess now three times, in something that I thought would be good for the horror fan and also be sufficiently engaging and not too gross for the non-horror fan. And also be something that I think that we could all enjoy because it's good. Uh-huh. I went for uh, Karen Kasama's The Invitation. Oh, yeah, that's fucking it. That's a great film. I also think it's a pretty good shout for the situation. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah, um, yeah. Went down pretty well, but also, like, yeah, I'd forgotten how much I like The Invitation. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's really great. I think, like, um, it does that kind of quiet suspense building so well. And that uh, gear shift in the third act is so strong. And it doesn't feel kind of like crowbarred in or anything like that. I think that everything about it feels really organic, but it gets under your skin from very early on in a couple of different ways. And it's made me want to kind of look both backwards and forwards with Karen Kusama's work, because it reminded me that I haven't seen Destroyer yet. Right. Mm -hmm. But also uh, with Nicole Kidman, but also I have not gone back and revisited Jennifer's body. And I still think there's something in there that makes me think that if I watch that again now, I would like it much more than I did when I saw it a couple of years after it came out. I like Jennifer's body. I I think it's one of those kind of unsung heroes. Yeah, I, I think if I went back to it, I would maybe come out more on that side of it. I'm not saying I would reverse, because I didn't like it much at all when I saw yeah. it to begin with. But I don't, I'm not saying I would reverse course completely, but I think that I owe it a rewatch. And um, just kind of watching The Invitation reminded me how much that I think that Karen Kasama is a really interesting filmmaker. Just before we move on from mm-hmm. this, because I'm assuming you've got other stuff. I have one more thing, but it's quite talky, yeah. 
Right, okay. Uh, worth mentioning that, uh, I mean, when the hell did I see The Invitation first? Two or three years ago now? It's, it's been out a few years now, yeah, three, four years. Well, it's finally getting a UK Blu-ray release on the, the 4th of November through Second Sight. God, it's almost as if we planned it, but we actually didn't. No, no, not at all. Yeah, I was watching it, the, me watching it this week was totally pursuitous, but you're right. Yeah, that, um, that Second Sight release upcoming, that's great. That's yeah, great news. brilliant. Yeah. Um, they're also putting out Upgrade in a few, a few weeks after, which I... I also have pre-ordered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a great film. Uh, starring Logan Marshall Green. Oh yeah, right enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the only other thing that I have this week is that I have gone back and persisted with the next two episodes of Creep Show on Shudder. Ah, okay. So I watched the first one. Okay, so did you feel kind of like kind of like I did about it? Yeah, I'm very cold on it. Like, yeah, I didn't like it pretty much at all, to be honest. I think mm. that, like um, the things that bother me about it, apart from the fact that I didn't think that either segment was particularly compelling, particularly the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's certain things that annoy me about it. Like, I think that it's almost like they have the rights to the iconography and the title and the imagery, and they don't do anything with it. It's, there's no attempt to recapture the kind of spirit sure. of the original or the tone of the original and s- those elements haven't gone away with the episodes that i've watched this week but it's been a mixed bag so i watched, so I watched episode two and three right okay. uh, this week so i'm just gonna go through the segments very quickly sure. in turn mm-hmm. so in episode two you've got bad wolf down which right. is uh, written and directed by rob schraub this is kind of set during the war, air quotes. The um, war. Well, there are Nazis in it, so I guess World War Two. Sure. Um, <laughs> I hated this. It's a werewolf piece, which I kind of is uh, something that doesn't necessarily mesh with me particularly well. Anyway. All right. Um, I didn't know you were an anti-werewolf. I'm not anti-werewolf. It's just that like I haven't seen that many convincing iterations of it, apart from the very obvious ones. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't know. This was like it was cheap looking. It was all kind of bad dialogue, mangled accents, weird oh. lighting. Uh, yeah, there's a frustrating cheapness. Yeah, certainly from what I saw in the first episode, that was almost for the entire measure of it. It felt cheap. Yeah, and like, and I, I, I felt like you know, like something like this where there's like a kind of a reliance on a little bit more practical stuff as well. I think mm-hmm. that like that kind of comes to the fore a little bit more. What I would say was cool, and again, this might be kind of circumvent, circumventing a budget thing, but there's a werewolf. There's a couple of werewolf transformations in this, and I don't think it's spoilery to say no. that there's a werewolf transformation in it. But rather than having to hash through that with practical effects where there might not be a budget for it, they did it with the creep show comic book kind of like flicking pages yeah which was i think like like i say that might have been kind of like that might have been motivated partially by budget and like more than aesthetic right. but it worked nicely no I, I think that's a cool idea yeah it's not bad um but yeah well, on the whole i thought the segment was drivel um <laughs> next up you had the finger um uh which was uh directed by greg nicotero again are you giving the finger to the finger well it was written by david j shout who uh wrote the crow uh, Texas Chainsaw 3, Critters 3 and 4, uncredited writer on Elm Street 5. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, this one was strange. It's about a guy who's got this preoccupation with found items, you know, like right. one man's trash kind of thing, um, who is played by uh, DJ Qualls, who was like this... Oh, from Road Trip? Yeah. Like, the, yeah he was, the little skinny guy? Yeah, he was like right. the kind of like scrawny, nerdy guy in a couple of those kind of films. He kind of looks exactly the same now, apart from the fact that he's got a beard, but he's doing pretty good work here. But right. I think it's weird that in something that is already framed within a comic book, this is also him telling the story in a break the fourth wall kind of way. Oh. I feel like uh, there's, you're cramming a lot of storytelling mediums into this. So it's about a guy, he finds a, a finger, uh, takes it home, and it kind of grows into a sidekick uh, right. for him. And I would say at this point that this is comfortably the best segment of the four that I've seen so far. Um, it's and this is before... Episode three. episode three yeah um i like i like this quite i like i like this more i liked it more i think that like it felt more intentionally played for laughs and the laughs landed mm-hmm. some of the creature stuff is fun some of it's kind of cringy 
Okay. But I did kind of feel like it was just like when it got to the end of it, I was like, this feels like a more complete piece of work. Maybe the tide's turning here because because previously at the end of uh, Bad Wolf Down, I was ready to jack the whole thing. <laughs> but when I got to the end of this, I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to power straight onto episode three. So I did. There are two segments in episode three again. Uh, so we've got All Hallows Eve, which is uh, directed by John Harrison, who directed the 2009 adaptation of Book of Blood. All right. Okay. Well, here it's like it's a group of trick or treaters who are like possibly too old to, to trick or treat, <laughs> and that's kind of how it's framed, and they head out. It starts off, I kind of feel like this is one of those things, it would feel like a mid-level entry into, you know, Tales of Halloween. Yeah. The anthology from a couple yeah. of years back. I would say it would be like a kind of like an okay entry into this. I quite like Tales of Halloween. By yeah, the way. So, so do I. I mean, like I was going to say, that's not a criticism. I think Tales of Halloween is pretty good. But it starts off as being kind of this kind of like stock trick-or-treaty halloween story. And then it goes into a kind of home invasion angle that I hadn't necessarily seen before. Right. Again, this doesn't necessarily work all the way, but there's a good idea there. And I'm kind of like, at this point, when I got to the end of that section, because because th- it's got a nice little sting in the tail, I won't say too much about it. But when I got to the end of that, I was like, you know what? Maybe the tide's turning here. And I, so I went straight into the David Bruckner directed segment. Uh, so D- David Bruckner, of course, best known recently for directing The Ritual. Yep, that stuff on VHS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I'm um, southbound, loads of cool stuff. Yeah. Um. So... The Man in the Suitcase is, I think it's an old story, um, but it's about this guy, uh, this kind of like late teens, early 20s guy who is kind of hard up for money. His girlfriend's just broken up with him. He comes back from a trip and his suitcase has this man contorted into it. Right. And um, A dead man? No, it's a live man. A live man. Yes, and um, like, uh, like the weird granddad in the bed in that segment of ABC's from ABC's of Death. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like, um, <laughs> but every time that guy is in pain, his mouth spews out gold coins. Oh, so this obviously, like, it's it starts out as this kind of curiosity and turns into this kind of like morality tale about the nature of greed okay. and stuff like that. I thought this was like all right. It was quite funny. I think that this is the only one where I felt like it would have benefited from being longer. Okay. Because I feel like everything has to happen so quickly in a 22-minute section that everybody's motivations have to be characterized and everything has to happen in a kind of way that feels a little bit rushed. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the main thing that lets this one down. It's, again, I'm not crazy about it, but there was enough there. And after episode two, I was kind of like, fuck this. (laughs) But now it's like, here I am, and I'm definitely going to watch episode four, and I'm going to come back next week and talk about that. Is this going to become the new Shortwaves 100 now that you're winding down? Well, speaking of that... We carry on hurtling towards single digits on the Shotwaves 100. God. And uh, this I'm week... I'm sad in a way. Well, I mean, I'm not. I watched Event Horizon this week. Ah, okay. Now, uh, did you like Event Horizon? So Event Horizon on paper, not the kind of thing that I would go for, as you know. Right, I think okay. that if I was just like picking things out on an average day, to the point that when I sat down to watch it, I was like... I just watch something that looks like something I would actually enjoy. <laughs> but I was like, nope. And it's like, it's like I've resolved that I'm going to do at least one of these a week until this is done. Uh, so, yeah. I watched uh, Event Horizon. I don't know. I think, like, I'd heard so many people talk about it in so many circles that I assumed that it was more revered than it is. Right. Uh, but I didn't realize that it was this 27% Rotten Tomatoes thing that people are kind of cold on. I really like Event Horizon. Man. As it turns out, so do I. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was um, a blast. Really? I think it's a better Hellraiser in space than Hellraiser Black. Oh, don't like Graham Skipper who is saying that. But um, yeah, I, I think I think it's a lot of fun actually, yeah, yeah, and it's and it's always nice to see Sam Neill in a role where he can just kind of cut loose a little bit. He's having a fucking ball in this. Yeah, and um, I'm not a Paul W S Anderson connoisseur, and not certain anyone is, but um, <laughs> but better than Resident Evil. Well, I. Uh, so yeah, I believe that that cuts my shortwaves watch list to twelve. 
Wow. I'm now in a point as well where I have to decide what the closing film of this 100 is going to be as well. Yeah, make it something good. Yeah, should maybe you, end You don't it. want to go out in something shit. Well, the thing is, they're all first watches now, so I'm going to have to... I'll maybe send you the remainder and you can decide what the closing one's going to be. Oh, okay. I'm more than happy to do that. Yeah. I, I would actually like to watch the final film with you. Well, I mean... You I don't know, know what it'll be yet, but I feel like it would be something... I feel like it, it deserves... The, the occasion deserves to be recognised. I think so. You know it's still on the list? What? Possession. Oh, I mean that's a, that's a great film, but it's a bit of a downer. There's a lot, there's a but there's a lot of really interesting stuff still to watch. This ha- this has, by the way, I know we've made jokes about this being an ordeal, but this has been a lot of fun. Uh, incredibly educational for you, I would imagine. Massively so, and I think that also it's just always really fun to hear people's incredulousness about the things I haven't seen and stuff <laughs> like that. But yeah, I know twelve, like theoretically, all being well, maximum twelve weeks left. Wow. But I'm not going to be cocky about getting everything watched. No, no. But no. I will do my best. So. It's feedback time, and we've had a lot of feedback and a mixed bag of feedback this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite a lot actually. Yeah, a lot. And um, I want to touch on. I think that we should do Death Machine first, and I think that with that kind of comes a couple of things we need to talk about. So, sure, sure. obviously, specific feedback on the film was a little bit light because at time of going to press, the episode has not been in the world for very long. No, no. Um, so, but, like, so want to say a big thank you to Braden Croft, True Fiction director, who joined us and talked to us about that film this week. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, thank you, sir. We were a little bit late with the episode this week, and so we have a little bit of chat about the film but a lot just people generally being incredibly nice about the fact that we had to just push it back a little bit <laughs> uh, well what i'll do is then i'll get into the stuff about the film um so the people andre the stairs and that's at Callahan. <laughs> it's one of my favorite halloween switcheroos by the way for names the people andre the stairs i think <laughs> yeah. it's really good yeah yeah <laughs> he's saying great film may run a bit too long but that's the perfect sci-fi b-movie with an outstanding doorith and there's a really lovely Blu-ray of it in Germany. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Have you got anything else about the film itself? Yeah, Jenny McCarthy got in touch. Uh, Jenny McCarthy 81 just saying, I flippin' love this film and I love Jack Dante. <laughs> and she just sent us a photo of Brad Dourif cartoon on one side of him and a screen showing static on the other side of him. <laughs> Fair play. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, off the back of this, I mean, uh, people were quite excited for this episode and then we did make you wait 23 more hours than normal for it. So we did put a few things out in the morning basically saying that it was going to be a little bit late people got in touch and there was such a level of soundness about this yeah that i feel like we should uh, shoot through some of it yeah caitlin first uh scared sheepless on twitter Yes. So I want to say thank you to her first for her generosity this week. Yeah, she sent us some pennies, which is always welcome. Thank you so much for doing that. That means a little to us. Very, <laughs> very nice. Yeah. It was just a nice little gesture at a point when I was about ready to smash my house up. Yeah, I was going to say, when we really needed <laughs> it. Um, and uh, yeah, she'd previously posted some stuff about being okay with waiting for the episode, but then also just generally commented saying, I really love this podcast and the community that has sprung from it. Thanks for keeping me laughing every week with pitches and otherwise, sharing an appreciation for films, good and questionable. Uh, I've got Tex Ross Chainsaw Mac and tired getting in touch that's, that's a great Halloween name change love it yes at saying underscore man saying thanks guys and the same to you all it's a great community to be a part of also very late but congratulations to me uh, on my recent fatherhood ah yeah if you listen closely you may be able to hear the uh, the results of that <laughs> yeah he's getting his ass changed and he's not a fan <laughs> Uh, Andrew Marshall at Semi Pro Geek getting in touch to say the fact that you've dauntlessly carried on despite everything is incredible so you should do what you need to do to be happy with it nobody listening would presume to demand more of your time than you have to give and we're all grateful that you do isn't that's lovely that is very lovely that's that's really really sound actually thank you very much Andrew we appreciate that 
and Annie underscore Ray saying, I think I speak for most listeners, but bold of her, uh, but <laughs> certainly for me All right, mate. when I say I'm happy to listen when it's ready. You guys do such a good job. Wow. Thanks. James Plum, uh, Mad Science Films and Twitter, virtual hugs to my podcast fam, Andy makes stuff, uh, Watchfires Mitch and the guests and fellow listeners. Aww. Uh, Dennis Extra Atherton at Den's Beans getting in touch to say uh, much love Andy kept checking for the podcast this morning it's good to be missed absence makes the heart grow fonder well, we weren't gone for long no that's true that's true that we weren't it um, was literally a, a matter of hours yeah but but yeah we do but we do appreciate people being cool yes. with that. like that is um, that's, that's very sound and uh, just in conclusion so like I said there was a bunch of these we didn't keep all of them because because I kind of felt like it would get a little bit self-aggrandizing if we did mm-hmm. but um, we did have salted popcorn or indeed salted pumpkin at the moment on uh, Twitter getting in touch <laughs> saying uh, me when I see the group love on Twitter and he posted a gif um, from Secret Obsession which needless to say open uh, the floodgates yeah. for yet more chat on uh, Secret Obsession we need to get this episode done yeah yeah 100%. Uh, Gary J. Hewitt at Hewitt G. Pro getting in touch to say, just put the better half through Jason X. Thank you, Strong Violent PC. Oh, excellent. Is it excellent? Well, no. Um, he says, uh, I love it up until KM14 dresses in a leather bondage and does 200 flips in the air before twirling her guns. Only one robot is allowed to spin his guns, and there is a photo there of a mechanized Alex Murphy. All right. I think the minute he takes his visor thing off, he's not Robocop anymore. Fair play. Okay, yeah. No, that's reasonable. That's reasonable. Uh, quick one from uh, the Shake 70. Right uh, about the live show, Ooh. Uh, the upcoming Celluloid Streams live show. Which More information this week. Yes, definitely. Um, no way on earth, and I've tried. Can I get to Sheffield in time for the Strong Violent PC live episode? I'll Boo. be at the venue by four p.m. Will you guys still be around? Andy wants a hug. Maybe I'll definitely Possibly. still be there. Well, you're there for the weekend, so yeah, I'm there for the duration. Uh, Andy may or may not be, but well, I, um, won't, I, I won't be. I will be in and out on Friday. Right. Yeah, I'll be driving down and back same day. All right, I imagine. Okay. I'm going to talk a little bit now about Nightmare Beach. Okay, cool. Darren Gaskell getting in touch, or uh, his seasonal name, Darken Gastly. Okay. Getting in touch uh, at Darren underscore Gaskell saying, Gave Nightmare Beach another watch, regardless of who's responsible, be it Lindsay or Kirkpatrick or both, it's still trashily enjoyable. Yes, some of the dialogue is squirm-inducing. Ronnie, I'm looking at you, but the mystery is quite involving and the kills are gory enough. Pretty much exactly how I feel about that. Yeah, yeah, yep. uh, and that's. I think that's kind of where we came down on it. Yep, very, very fair assessment. Uh, Panda, prettiest dunce on Twitter, getting in touch. Uh, go, also going for a Halloween name change, but simply changing the panda to a pumpkin. Right, okay. Uh, <laughs> saying, uh, if Watchfire's Mitch singing his favourite songs from the soundtrack doesn't become a regular feature, I'm unsubscribing. <laughs> I did get a little. I did get a little bit happy on the mic during that nightmare beach, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. singing a couple of theme songs. You sure did. Um, Won't happen again. I had to edit it. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard plenty. Uh, we talked a little bit about Miami Connection. Yeah, yeah, we did actually. Yeah, like the chat about Miami Connection, which didn't even happen on the podcast. I don't think is now entering its third week. I've got to say, Miami Connection, not a horror film. No, um, but. An incredible experience that absolutely demands to be seen. It's yep. it's, it's wonderful. Um, but Phil Escott, former guest Phil Escott. Ah, our Call the Boss episode, directed yeah. at Cruel Summer. He's saying that he put a big screen showing of it on in Cardiff. Probably not the best way to spend £250, but it's fucking awesome. <laughs> um, I'd like to think that he put it on just for himself to watch it on the biggest screen he could find. Yeah, like he didn't sell any tickets. <laughs> Definitely. Yes, I will rent this cinema for £250, just sat there in his, like, his pyjama bottoms. Um, um, I want to say hello to uh, Dave, insert spooky pun here, Cooper. 
phoning it in a little more than some of the others uh, deluxe underscore man on twitter uh, getting in touch about our nothing but trouble episode um, which we did with Brett and Drew Pierce just yeah. recently uh, saying bone stripper thanks Ooh. for that awful Def Leppard inspired 80s cheese fest earworm it's going to haunt me for the rest of my life a reference of course to the fact that you closed this episode with uh, the entirety of the bone stripper song yes I did yeah and I'd like to question the comment he made about the song being awful when it is in fact awesome <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, that must be a typo that seems very much to me like that was all correct there's a predictive dex in this app i believe yeah yeah no that sounds quite that sounds right to me uh do you have anything else I do not. Okay, I have a couple of things. So um, I want to quick give a quick mention. Uh, Darren Gaskell got back in touch again. Dark and uh, Gasly. Dark and Gasly got back in touch talking about um, Soul Survivor, which ah, was okay. my Shockwaves 100 film from last week. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rebecca McHenry of Shockwaves made a mention of uh, uh, also Soul a Survivor. Guest. Yes, also a former guest. Yeah, from our Slugs episode. She made a mention this week of uh, Soul Survivor itself because she's obviously a great fan of the film. Darren got in touch, actually to her, but tagged us, uh, saying this was mentioned on the Strong Violent PC minisode earlier this week so i went back to check it out decent little chill letter for a little bit on the slow side which i think on reflection is probably how i feel about it okay i think that like yeah i, I think that it's um it's interesting to look at it now mm-hmm. but it's 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 flawed but it's just it's but it's a curiosity considering some of the trends and horror that came quite a long time after it um we had a message from stevie this week film fan stevie he's very busily and very intrepidly roaming around the london film festival right now as this is one yes uh, seeing a whole bunch of stuff uh saw the lighthouse this yeah, week yeah. um which is out this friday uh, the new robert eggers film and uh he said uh when watch Fires mitch watches the lighthouse he'll be very happy as there are plenty of gears and cogs to look at and then attached a gif of a uh mystified looking willem dafoe <laughs> i'd flag that under gears of four i think you're gonna get tossed out of some cinema bitch <laughs> you like those women that got thrown out of cinemas during 50 shades of gray what for masturbating <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else before we move on just wanted to mention one other thing and that's uh, James Plum uh, at Mad Science Films had got in touch uh, just to let us know that his most recent film Little Monster is now available on Amazon Prime Video yeah I read the novella first and then I uh, contributed to James's crowdfunder when he when he was trying to get the money together to make the film and uh, yeah it's, uh, it's a cool little film check it out nice I will do yeah, that yeah good example of what you can do with very little actually. cool yeah, okay yeah. nice 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 similarly actually I want to end the feedback this week with something uh, John Paul Fitch, a regular contributor yes, to the show, obviously yes, at this yes, point. Rel- I think like relatively new contributor, but a very ardent contributor these days, which I we like very it. much appreciate. Yeah, uh, John got in touch and um, just let us know about an event. Um, and if you're in the area, I think this sounds really cool. It's happening at the uh, Lantern Theatre in Brighton on the 21st of December. Uh, ghost stories for Christmas. Right, yeah. <laughs> Tickets are £10 for this, including a glass of mulled wine slash juice for all you abstainers out there. But yeah, ghost stories for Christmas. Uh, it's got adaptations and readings of stories by uh, Ramsey Campbell, Neil Gaiman, yeah. and John himself. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think this sounds really cool. So like I say, if you're in that kind of general area and that sounds like your thing, I'd get out and check that because it sounds like it's going to be a good one. Yes, brilliant. Thank you. So that just about wraps up the feedback this week with a couple of obvious exceptions. <laughs> It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. So for anyone who's unfamiliar, this is going to be pretty strange. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone that will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title and the tagline or any other identifying text. All that will remain will be the image. It will fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and, where possible, give the film both a title and a synopsis. So... Yes. Last week we had Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. Correct, yes, well done. Reappropriated by me as The Graveyard Shift. 
the accidentally exhumed tomb of Max, Frank, and Emily McCombs. <laughs> well remembered. Thank you very much. Um, we had a few people getting in touch with pictures on this one. Sure, yeah, and a few people coming down on the fact that I thought the guy in yellow looked like Billy Connolly. Well, yes, um, that certainly did. That, that certainly did figure um, quite a bit in there, actually. So let's take a look at some of these. So Kevin Matthews first on Facebook. After their TV program is cancelled in its prime, a group of children's entertainers, their minds warped by years of having to talk to large fluffy puppets while singing songs about the most inane everyday tasks <laughs> are convinced by their manager to kill one of their number turning him into a corpse mannequin and marking themselves as a daring new cabaret act for those who love both the macabre and a good dose of nostalgia yep after the banana splits movie children of the 80s will undoubtedly be keen to watch rod jane and daddy <laughs> Uh, C.P. Buckley on Instagram. Of course. While on a tour of Wales, comedian Billy Connolly and his assistant yeah. end up taking a wrong turn and find himself in a graveyard where a simple-minded loco introduces him to occultist Arnold Deville. Connolly insults Deville's abilities and Deville performs a spell to raise a long-dead Celtic warrior. The plan backfires, however, when Connolly makes the warrior laugh for the joke and the two join forces to take on the devil and his newly raised army of the dead. It's a 1983 BBC travelogue documentary series, Billy Connolly's Graveyard Gigs. <laughs> Not bad at all. Cosmic Regal? Alexis? Sure, yes. Tom Bowler, Toodaloo and Cat Fufu were trudging along in the swampy bayou. Then out of the shadows, they met Jack Pitt, who showed them his catacombs and custom coffins measured to fit. He was a coffin maker from Toulouse and made a bet with them they'd lose. Can you all fit in my coffin, he said. They tried and they failed and they ended up dead. It's 1983's Two Guys, A Girl and a Coffin Maker. (laughs) Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter. Everybody digs a party, but only the dead are invited to Dr. Mort Tijan's grave affair in 1982's Be There or Be in Pieces. Laura buying an LV on Twitter. 16mm film was expensive in 1971, but college lecturer Steve King worked out a short story with the help of his students. We all floated back then in them. <laughs> Very clever. Chris Salt, Auburn Pictures on Twitter? Yes, of course, yes. When executors of the estate of a recently deceased insurance company boss announce that he has left everything to a long-lost son that they've been unable to contact, small-time hustler Ramon Numerals and... <laughs> 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 and his and his girlfriend decide to try and pass off her idiot brother as the missing offspring. <laughs> With no idea what he's supposed to look like, they dig up the man's body in order to examine the picture and a locket around his neck. But when revelers arrive unexpectedly at the graveyard for a party, the pair are forced to pretend he's still alive. Meanwhile, some mafia hitmen are also on the case or something. <laughs> There's always mafia hitmen in these things. Anyway, it's the atrociously mid-misguided sequel that no one asked for. 1998's Weekend at Bernie's 3. Dear God, just leave him in the damn ground, you ghouls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris Salt changing his name on Twitter this week to Cursed Soul, by the way. Right, sure. By the way, mine's is rubbish. Mine's is Andy Boo. Mine's Mitch Bray. Yours is good, I like yours. Mine's is shite. I, if anyone out there can come up with a better one for me... I would massively appreciate that. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I put it to you, our incredibly gifted listeners, to spice up my personal Twitter. Speaking of incredibly gifted listeners. Okay. Tony Kazanu, when bumbling altar boy and amateur puppet enthusiast Holden Stringfellow <laughs> is tricked into somehow reading his favourite Sesame Street annual backwards during Sunday service, he unwittingly sets into motion the nefarious plan of revered reverend Christian Funpope to resurrect <laughs> Jim Henson in order to enact Muppageddon. <laughs> now as Christian's Christian creature workshop creations begin to bring about the end of days, Holden must hold on to his beloved book's most important teachings and muster the courage to foil Funpope's foolish plan in 1991's 
Pastor of Muppets. <laughs> no more obeying your pastor. Pastor. Wow. That concludes Bitches Bitches for this week. Oh, uh, I'm going to give the best pitch to Tony. For Pastor of Muppets, that's Pastor fair. Pastor of Muppets, and I am... <laughs> and I'm going to give the best character name to Ramon Numerals. Ramon Numerals, yeah, Chris Saltfair. <laughs> you started mouthing that as I said it. You knew that was what I was going for. It's precisely <laughs> the two the two pitches I would have given those prizes to this week. I'm 100% in agreement with you. So, uh, Tony and Chris, big congratulations. You both win nothing, of course. Of course. Gee, and these guys are going to be struggling to move. Oh my god, honestly. Yeah, Tony's had to buy a second property for his. So, I guess it falls to me now. Yeah, you ready, you ready for this? I'm just going to head this up before I send it to you, bitch. Uh, this one might be even more problematic than the poster for Munchies. Oh good, my favourite. <laughs> Here it comes. For fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, very good. Right, okay, the uh, background for this is a kind of like dark to navy blue. <laughs> uh, the bottom half of the picture is plain navy blue. I'm assuming that's from where you have removed the logo. Yes, correct. And the yes. title, should I say. Uh, the rest of the border is hexagonal. It's a white and orange trim. Uh, we are in a locker room I here. I find that's an octagon. It's an octagon. How embarrassing for me. Yeah. Uh, yes, no, agreed. It's an octagon. So we're in a locker room here. <laughs> yep. Uh, we have uh, three lockers in the background that are all dark blue. One of which is open, hanging in there. We have a, a kind of letter jersey, a lady's letter jersey with an L on it, and um, what appears to be a bra and underwear. We have a woman who is, I would say, sporting kind of like a fairly obviously eighties haircut. I'm putting this in the eighties. <laughs> um, it's kind of a blonde kind of perm. Sure. Uh, she has uh, blue eyes. She's looking towards the camera in a state of like what I would say is like kind of like mild shock. <laughs> She's obviously just out of the shower. Uh, she is naked apart from a white towel, which is being removed from her by a ghost frat boy. <laughs> um, a jeans and a jeans and vest clad brown haired man who is obviously a ghost because he's partially transparent. He's pulling the towel off her. Uh, he has a very mischievous face. She naturally looks quite upset about it. So uh, yeah. Um, so I would say um a shocked blonde blue-eyed woman disrobed by ghost arsehole. Is <laughs> yeah. uh, my submission of this. Sure. Oh. Okay, I'll need a moment. I'll be honest, I was a bit worried about that one when I, when I picked it. No, you haven't heard the pitch yet. Oh, I can't wait. Speaking of... Right, I think I've got it. Okay. When obnoxious frat boy Judd Coorslight is killed <laughs> in a freak college football accident, his brothers in the fraternity and the entire student body of Little Shame University <laughs> mourn his passing while silently also enjoying the respite from his tiresome antics. He's Ronnie. From- <laughs> yeah, he is Ronnie from Nightmare Beach, yeah. However, the nightmare isn't over yet as Judd's ghost is back as quick as he left, causing trouble all over campus, particularly to the institution's long-suffering female student base. With the campus awash with poltergeist panty raids, otherworldly wedgies, and supernatural sexual deviance, it's up to uptight <laughs> Dean Ernest Dugitter to stop the madness in 1988's Paranormal Misogyny. <laughs> okay. Tell me how wrong I am, please. Uh, we're going back to 1985 here, and this isn't so much a horror, but I figured the image was scutting horror enough that I could use it. It's, Happy with it? Yeah, it's, it's fine. more a terrible 
comedy. It's 1985's School Spirit. Okay, right, what's that about? Who's in, uh, who's synopsisizing? Well, it's uh, someone we've had before. Okay. It's a returning synopsisizer, you'll be pleased to hear. Oh, good. It's Concord-New Horizons, open brackets with permission, close Yay, brackets. Hey, my favourite. My favourite thing about him is how catchy his name is. <laughs> what, what's the synopsis? Yeah. The only thing keeping Billy Batson from the girl of his dreams is one little condom, or rather the lack of one. Christ. Luckily, Billy finds one at an all-night roadhouse, but speeding back to his girl, he is killed in a head-on collision with a truck. Now invisible, Billy must find his sweetheart and rekindle her fire. But when he comes back to school as a ghost, his first stop is the girls' locker room, and he's beginning to see all the possibilities. Oh my god, this is <laughs> absolutely awful. And it is. Jesus Christ. Right, that concludes Witch's Pitches for this week, thank fuck. That picture is everywhere. Get pitching. Uh, just before we go to the streaming platforms this week, I want to touch on something really quickly, which is uh, horror news this week for the turn of David Cronenberg. Uh, so my source on this one is uh, thefilmstage.com. Right. And uh, during Festival de Nouveau Cinema in Montreal this week, where he was hosting the 4K restoration of Crash. Yes. He did say that he's going to be adapting his own 2014 novel, uh, Consumed, yeah. into a miniseries for Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and this is something that's been touted for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, as you probably know, I follow the career and uh, general life of David Cronenberg with some interest. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was kind of like, had a little bit more to say about that this week. For those who don't know, Consumed is a story of two journalists whose entanglement in a French philosopher's death becomes a surreal journey into a global conspiracy. Yeah. So, yeah, like very little about timelines for that and stuff but yeah that was kind of confirmed this week which is pretty cool yes absolutely yeah. <laughs> and yeah turn our attentions then to the streaming platforms so Sky Cinema slash Now TV uh, on Tuesday you have got some cage rage coming your way oh uh, Kill Chain wow not what I was expecting you to say what the hell's this uh, three strangers lives are inevitably entangled in a conflict none of them are prepared for starring Nicolas Cage and Ryan Quantin from uh, Dead Silence right sure <laughs> and on Friday uh, if you're looking for something kind of Halloween themed that you could maybe show to your kids right uh, Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween okay yeah Landon. it's okay I haven't seen that yet but the sequel to the um, the original Goosebumps film with Jack Black as I was saying which I thought was great yeah so yeah that's out there um, moving then to Amazon Prime on Tuesday you have the return of the purge see these two Right. Uh, is back. Uh, uh, Gigi Guerrero's doing an episode in there, I believe. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> but you're still not going to watch it. Well, I can't promise you that. Don't like the purge. I'm not, not a huge fan, no. Uh, so on Monday, loads of good stuff coming to Shudder. Demons and Demons 2. Sure. First, mm-hmm. um, but also brain damage. Yeah. And uh, we did also get a heads up this week that apparently, uh, this is obviously, this, these things don't come to the UK right away, but uh, this will be accompanied with the uh, Joe Bob Briggs Last Drive In segment from 2018 yeah. as well, mm-hmm. where he talks about it, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. And of course, on Thursday, you've got the new episode of Creep Show, which I'll watch because I'm, apparently I'm in now. <laughs> also, there, by the way, is this year's ghoul log I saw that yeah 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 that's just landed isn't it yeah, so yeah. Uh, fill your TV up with that and uh, get nice and festive um, so Netflix has a lot of really good stuff this week and I'm going to end on what I think is the pick of the week okay okay so on Thursday on Netflix you've got A Vigilante A Vigilante yes that's the name of it a survivor right. of domestic violence transforms into a fierce fighter determined to make her husband pay and to protect other victims at any cost ooh which kind of feels a little bit like MFA yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of vein. Uh, on Friday, you've got Eli with his desperate parents in tow. An 11 year old boy with a debilitating illness checks into an isolated clinic to undergo experimental therapy. What's an 11 year old boy checking in anywhere for? That's kind of how I feel about the twist in The Sixth Sense, actually. Because <laughs> I understand that it's all very clever that Bruce Willis is a ghost, but also how did Haley Joel Osment's character keep booking appointments with that psychiatrist? <laughs> um, also on Friday, though, and I would say at uh, the comfortable pick of the week this week, um, we've got Wounds. 
Oh, right, okay, Babak and Vadi's new film. Yes, new film from Babak and Vadi, the director, of course, of uh, Under the Shadow, which, yeah, is, which is excellent. Brilliant, yeah. Uh, Wound sounds really interesting. Dakota Johnson in this, I believe. When a New Orleans bartender picks up a cell phone dropped in a brawl, he begins to receive ominous messages and finds his sanity slowly unraveling. Mm-hmm. So, a whole load of great stuff out there this week. Loads of really good stuff here. Go and get stuck into, and I strongly advise that you do. <laughs> oh, well. So, turn our attention to this week, then, and it's one that's been a long time coming. Yeah, it has been. Yeah, we're keeping it in the family. We are a little bit, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Joining us this week, he is the writer and director of the short film Mannequins, which you, of course, produced. Thank you. (laughs) It is Mr. David Malcolm. Yes, the happiest man in horror joins us this week, and he's bringing a film that uh, certainly belies his uh, outward misery. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Happy with it? It's, (laughs) It's John Gulliger's Feast. All right, Feast, okay. Seen it? No. Uh, of course I haven't. It's good fun. So, Mannequin's director, David Malcolm, joins us this week. In person. Feast. In person, yeah, which is always fun. Yeah. How are you feeling about this? Get in touch with us. You can do that in a number of ways. You. You can do this in a number of ways. Facebook and Instagram at Strong Language Vengement Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Vengement PC. And you can also email us at Strong Language Vengement Scenes at gmail.com. Yes, that's right, Mitch. You can. But you can also go onto our website, strongviolentpod.com, to find all the same information that you just gave. <laughs> yep, that's true. It's all there. And an non-exhaustive list of podcast providers where you can have a wee look around and pick whichever one suits you best. Indeed. And you can also go on our Tee Public page. I know I said there was designs coming this week, but life is intruded. I promise there will be designs this week. And also, you can find information about the live show and on that subject, we are, of course, doing a live show at Celluloid Screams this year, Friday the 25th of October at noon at the at Showroom noon, Cinema. high noon. It will be free. It's going to be fun. These things always are. We'll have some more information for you about that very soon indeed. We will indeed. Can't wait. But in the meantime, we are back this Friday. David Malcolm joining us to talk feast. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it's better to die a hero than live as food in a world of church. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 